Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours as we talk sports with you. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, only one guest in the first hour of the program, Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Adam Rittenberg and his colleague, I want to get to her name right, Michelle Steele, uh, wrote a piece yesterday that saw it uh, displayed on the front page of ESPN.com for a better part of the day. Iowa football and Kirk Ferentzi black players speak out on the program's racial inequities. Uh, it's now moved to the front page of the um, of college football uh, at uh, ESPN.com. But Adam Rittenberg was part of it. Uh, he will join us at the bottom of the hour or thereabouts to uh, discuss that. At 11 o'clock, we are going to talk... Actually, this is a really good get on your part. Uh, kind of two birds with one stone, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Tom Wilson, the athletic director our activities director, I guess they call him in high school, as well as the head football coach at Dowling. Uh, he will join us um, and share some of the stories, disappointment-wise, of the baseball team who was ranked number one in the state at the time, having to uh, call it uh, pack in the season after one of the coaches uh, was uh, found to be carrying the coronavirus and just how it all unfolded, just the circumstances that had they known the night before instead of the coach getting uh, that he was negative, uh, got bad information and missed it by a day or so, which prevented them from playing in substate and dot, dot, dot. So we'll do that. And then some of the challenges for high school football. Dowling's schedule is out. Dowling Mm -hmm. and Valley is on. Week two. Week two. Where it's been here the last few years. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of been traditionally placed in that spot. It was, how many years ago? Week one. Remember it led it off the was, season one yeah. year? One or two. And, and I, might, I think it was back-to-back years that that was, was the it? case. Yeah. And I thought at the time, you know, it's great to get this, you know, you wait all year, marquee mm-hmm. game, but give them a tune-up. You know, that's what Ankeny has done with their first game of the year, Ankeny versus Centennial, yeah. with that opener, and kind of had that same kind of feeling. Like to see it in week two. Yeah, but now you stay off it because Valley Dowling dominates the state. I mean, <laughs> well, that's, that's true too. It's yeah. just how it is. And yeah, certainly here in Central Iowa. Yeah, it and is. We saw them play for a championship as they <laughs> changed the way it could play it. a year ago. Yep, a great game that came down to the wire and Dowling just keeps finding yeah, a way. Unbelievable. I, I think you can argue the last two years, maybe more talent for Valley last season. Cedar Falls mm-hmm. the year previous yet. The Maroons just find a way, and mm-hmm. one of the big reasons of the guy we're going to talk to at 11.05, Tom Wilson, that guy, he can coach. Yeah, I remember uh, Dyke New Hartford right. prior to, That's right? where yeah. he was, and yeah. my cousins played at Dyke New Hartford. Okay. So he came there when they were in high school, and Dyke New Hartford was terrible, were just they? just awful. When they, they combined, they were awful at football every year. We played them in district play a couple of times. They were just awful, awful teams. And he gets there very quickly, pretty good. And within, oh boy, a couple of seasons, they're playing for the state championship in 2A. And just, it's crazy how coaches at the high school level, how quickly they can turn programs around, how big of a difference Mm -hmm. it can be. And when you get one of those great coaches, and it doesn't matter the sport. You heard this week uh, of the passing of the Ames swimming coach. And hearing people and the praises that were sung upon him. 
And it was because, more than anything, he was a great person. You can mm-hmm. tell that from everybody. But he also knew this sport very well. Mm-hmm. And a sport like swimming where and there's plenty of people here that know basketball, that know football. Right. That, but they're not a whole lot that know swimming. You can do that. <laughs> My hand's raised up in the air. Right. <laughs> and you combine it with being a great person, a great coach, yeah. and you also know the sport at that level, one of those minor sports, if you will. Well, you can win a lot of championships. No, and he didn't. Gone far too soon. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk to Tom Wilson at... Uh, 11.05 or thereabouts. Uh, then we've got uh, Vinny I from the Sporting News, the, one of their NFL uh, columnists. Of course, Vinny is a graduate of Northwestern and is the only three-time Jeopardy champion, or for that matter, Jeopardy champion that Trent Condon and I know. That's right. And Vinny Iyer won Jeopardy three times back when the limit was you could only stay for five and then you were booted off. Now he never got that far, mm-hmm. but he did uh, win the uh, win three uh, three different occasions. So Vinny Iyer is going to join us at 11.25. Uh, as we take you up until noon. So Adam Rittenberg is coming in here. We saw read his piece from yesterday. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this trend. It's, mm-hmm. as I said, it's, it's not a good look for the University of Iowa. And in particular, it's not a good look for their head football coach, Kirk Ferentz. I thought the Hawkeye Nation piece that came out last night, or last week rather, when they got an opportunity to uh, due to a freedom of information request to get some of the uh, particulars regarding that 2008 internal report that was sent out. And then just to make the timeline to connect the dots on this. And, you know, James Daniels goes forward on June the 3rd. June the 7th, Ferentz said that he didn't recall learning of anything that alarmed him. And then we come to find out that he had read the report that was put in front of him in 1819 and Expected to form to white culture. Well, apparently that was okay with the head coach. Subjected to verbal harassment. That black players were targeted for extra drug testing. That apparently didn't ring any alarm bells with the head coach of the University of Iowa's football program. Subjected to uh, inequitable discipline policies or double standards. No, everything was good there. Um, Trent, it's, it's, a, it's something that's long overdue. If the players wouldn't have come out uh, the way that they didn't go forward, over five dozen of them, we don't know where we'd been because this report that came out um, did absolutely nothing by all accounts. There was very little that changed, if anything, uh, that I can read in this Hawkeye Nation report um, that was brought upon by that report being put in front of them. All of those things, Ferentz said that, again, this is, this is from his own lips. Didn't recall anything, learning of anything that alarmed him or alerted him. Really? Well, there's seven of them right there, and they were put in front of them. Uh, that's a bad look. And just going out and changing a few things on the surface. Yeah, go ahead and wear a hat. And have wear a hat. Yeah, yeah, you can wear a hoodie inside the building. Right. Uh, of course, it still needs to be team-issued. needs to be an Iowa sweatshirt. That's the way you need to go that route. But he did something. He didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're learning here. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, I read through things uh, from the Rittenberg piece yesterday... And I just got thinking more about Kirk Ferentz and his tenure over the 21 years. And this is a guy that I've respected. Have I disagreed with him? Absolutely. Yeah, likewise on both counts for me, too. I want to make that clear. There's been decisions that I think we can all question in terms of the football program, the handling of Rabdo. I think it was terrible at the time. Well, just give, make up an award to give to Chris Doyle. Right. That was a middle finger at everybody who dared to question his wisdom on how this was out. He stayed on the road with Ted Ginn Jr. Instead of coming back to be with his players, 13 of which were hospitalized. He couldn't miss a meeting. He also put a guy out there. He put a, a player's I remember dad, that. Biff who? Pogey. Yeah, but who else? Who from the University of Iowa? Was it was the director of uh, of, ba- of football operations that nobody no. nobody a knew and right. b wanted to hear from. Right, 
give us Doyle, give us Ferentz, and they brought out some... I don't, you know what? I'm not even going to try. I have to hang a label on him because it's unfair to him. Right. He shouldn't have been put in that spot. Absolutely not. He didn't answer the questions. He didn't go out there. And I think it goes to show you that the power can get too great. Mm-hmm. And even for a person I still respect in Kirk Ferentz, I, I think the respect is still there. I believe that he wants to do the right thing and turn this around. Did it take more than it maybe needed to for him to open his eyes? Absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt. But well, it took 60 players. Are we even in yeah. status quo? The disappointing avenue, though, is we haven't heard from a lot of African-American football players that have come out and said, you know, this wasn't that bad. Yeah. We, have, we haven't heard people that have come out and say, mm-hmm. I, I'm on Ferentz's camp. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in his corner. There's plenty of them that said they don't believe he should lose his job about it. Right, and Ojemudia did, on one hand, praise him for helping him get to the NFL, as that was <laughs> part of it yesterday. But he also said that the question that he had to ask himself, and this is a quote from Michael Ojemudia, how much of my identity am I willing to sacrifice? Right. You shouldn't have to sacrifice your identity. These kids shouldn't have to walk around on eggshells like they were. I thought Amari Spavey, I saw some of his quotes in, in Rittenberg's piece too. There's a lot of remorse amongst these guys mm-hmm. that I saw what was going on and didn't say enough. And, you know, around the water cooler, the humiliation, Chris Doyle hanging up that photo in his office. So you're not just putting up a a photograph on the wall. Somebody's going to the trouble of getting that framed. Right. Right. Somebody framed that photo, got a hammer and hammered a thumb or a nail into the wall so they could put it on the wall or on his credenza behind his desk, along with the pictures of the family and the souvenir or the, uh, the footballs that meant something to him. And everybody that came into the office saw DJK with a trash can on his head, as it was uh, called in the piece, almost like a trophy. And nobody thought to say to Kirk or to Chris Doyle, you know what, maybe that's not the best thing to have up in your office. Well, and you have to assume Kirk Ferentz has been in that office. You think? Yeah. Do we have proof of that? No. No, but we have heard how lockstep these two were. CEO and COO. How close they were. Chief Operating Officer, Chief Executive Officer. And being that close to think that Kirk Ferentz didn't know that that was up. Now, again, we don't know the whole story. I've told you the side that I've heard of that incident. It plays out much differently than what is put in Rittenberg's piece and some of the mm-hmm. other pieces that have been out there, including Darrell Johnson Koulianos's that was up at Hawkeye Nation. It is a different than just, hey, go put a trash can on your head and walk around. Mm-hmm. That's not the way that I've heard that it played out. But again, but two sides Spavet, to every story. Spavet was there. Mm-hmm. LeBron Daniel was there. Uh, was I think uh, Dace Richardson was also quoted in the piece. So three black players all watched this and all felt horrible for their teammate. And to a man, wished the way they would have come out and said something. And that bothers them to this day. That lingers a decade later. Uh-huh. That that is still there. That that is still something that these people, these players, look at and say this wasn't right. The disappointing avenue is you walk away from athletics. Ken, we talk about your hockey career from time to time. We laugh. My <laughs> crappy career in the North Iowa Conference, uh-huh. and we laugh. We were not great athletes, but we loved the game and those memories that stick with you and the relationships that you have, and and on and on and on, and to hear. This sheer volume of players, that their experience... Five dozen plus. It's not 
glowing terms. It's right. not about what a great experience it was. Yeah, are there tough times? I think any of us that have played athletics have had tough times. There are coaches that went too far and things that have happened. But still to linger as long as it has for this number of mm. players and for this to still be a big part of their identity and what they have morphed into. Were there things that they did? Are, are there things that are going to happen in any football program? I don't think there's many college football programs at the power level. They can do whatever you want. That, that's not what this is about. But taking away that identity and then to still look back upon it and not have the same kind of fond memories that so many others do, mm. that's the disappointing part. And yeah. for me, as much as I respected Kirk Ferentz, it's certainly gone down a level. And I don't yeah, know how many levels it's going to continue you, to go down when we find out this report from the law firm. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, certainly see him in a different light. Look, back in 2011 when I was doing Afternoon Drive, we had a caller-driven show and took one call after he deserves another chance. Give him one more chance. He'll learn from this. Well, hey, now they're asking for yet another chance, right? Mm-hmm. So, But hang on a second. I thought back in 2011 he had just one chance. Um, I, I don't know what's going to end. It's 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 clear to me that people outside of the state of Iowa that follow college football, write college football, talk college football for a living, all think that there's no way that Kirk Ferentz is going to be able to survive this. Um, inside the borders, there are very few people that think that there's going to be a change at the top. Mm-hmm. Very few, if any, that think there's going to be a change at the top of the football program. Um We'll see what this report comes out. The, the, the concern about it is, is you know, the the law firm that's doing this report, who's paying the law firm? Sure, yeah, I'm, but that kind of goes anytime. I guess, but still, em- who, who else? Well, would- I don't know who would be. That's a, right, that's, right. that's just it. I mean, is the Big Ten going to well, come that's, down? That's just it. There's- we know the NCAA doesn't have the nope. power to do something well, like they have, that. I thought you were going to say they don't have the money. <laughs> no, well, and that might be the case right now too. After yeah. the cancellation cancellation of the NCAA tournament. Boy, those funds are, are just some of the scary, mm-hmm. scary numbers. Barry Alvarez came out with Wisconsin's look, and it is not. Dire. It's not pretty, Trent. It's it's across it's across football. All right, so let's save that. We'll get back to it again mm-hmm. in about fifteen minutes. Adam Rittenberg's going to be here uh, tomorrow morning. David Kaplan joins us each and every Wednesday. Cappy is now doing a. By the way, they made them wear suits and ties last night again in Cincinnati. They'll, right. they'll be fine. The marquee. Why does this bother you? It just bothers the hell out of me. Who do they think they are? You know who do they think they are? I don't, don't get it. Shirt and tie—they're the only—they're the only broadcast, and they're not even in Cincinnati. They're in Chicago. Just the be in the ballpark. Uh, but they're the only team out of thirty that are forced to wear a shirt and a tie to do a ball game. Well, do you know that? That of the thirty? No, yeah. I don't know that. Right, yeah. it, it just seems like they're the only. Th- I watched a lot of baseball. I haven't paid attention until this year. But I will I will mark that down. I'll I'll go through get every a checklist. Pre-game. Yeah, I'll get a checklist. Give a me, polo shirt here. Give me, give me a month. <laughs> um, but the game last night, Trent. I mean, the NFL Cubs broadcasters along. They, they all have to wear a shirt and yeah, tie. Yeah, but that's that's the CBS, NBC, Fox. And when Aikman shows up, has the gall to show up at Lambeau Field with a turtleneck on and a, and a, and a parka because it was Lambeau and yeah, like yeah. this. Twitter went crazy that Troy Aikman had the audacity to show up without a shirt and a tie. Anyways, um, and by the way, you've watched Marquee Network. Yeah, yeah. Watched a lot last night. This is going to show my age. So when I'm a kid, and I don't know, did you guys get Bugs Bunny down here and Looney Tunes? 
when when the marquee network goes or when there's a play when they're going from the actual play to a replay mm-hmm. they've got this red screen that that flashes at you for a second mm-hmm. with the marquee with the marquee name on it i feel like it's going to say that's all folks <laughs> you, it's the same logo as looney T- am i am i crazy are you, you're waiting for porky pig to to jump in there right and, and stutter and say that's all that's all i mean i don't even want to try cuz i can't do it um am i nuts well, I guess I could see it, but it's the actual marquee. You get marquee. Yeah, but Looney Tunes did this in the 50s. And <laughs> it's not a circle. It's the marquee that's in front of Wrigley Field. That's I, I where the name comes from. I got a lot of problems from. with the marquee network. I guess a, you do. A, 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 what they're making Deshays and Casper do. They're humiliating them. <laughs> they wear the suit and die. <laughs> um, the, the gal's getting better. She's growing on me, okay, too. Remember right. yesterday, I missed Kelly Crow. I don't yep. remember her name. But yesterday, she was, she was a lot more comfortable doing her gig. Uh, change is different, right? It's yeah. everything. Every time it changes. But I know I can't be the only one that saw that for the first time and thought, I'm, I'm watching Bugs Bunny. Well, speaking of Looney Tunes, that's the yeah, bullpen Cappy. of the Cubs. It really was. And we got to play Cappy because oh, he was unbelievable yeah. last night. So he's doing after the games now. He's, they've lost the, the rights. Marquee Network has them. NBC Sports Chicago doesn't have them anymore. So somebody thought to let's play on Cappy's name. And we'll do, we'll have Cappy do a recap after uh, each one of the Cubs games. And the first, uh, I mean, the first weekend, everything was smooth. Everything was good. Cappy was, Cappy's in a good mood. But he snapped after this bullpen last night. Here's our friend David Kaplan. He'll join us tomorrow at this time, courtesy of Centurion Stone of Iowa. Here's Cap following the game. Okay, welcome to the recap brought to you by Fields Auto. I'm David Kaplan. What you watched tonight, what I watched tonight, was a freaking joke. That is the worst bullpen the Cubs have had in a long time. And Lord knows... They've had some awful bullpens. Let me just read you what the $16 million closer gave you in the ninth inning when he couldn't get the job done. Walk, wild pitch, ground out, walk, walk, hit by pitch. Oh, let's mix in a stolen base there. A walk, and then we had to change and go to Jeremy Jeffers, who Milwaukee let go. Thank goodness he got a strikeout on ball four, and then he got Joey Votto on a rocket to center that Albert Almora was able to catch. Guess what? Anthony Fauci had better command than a guy you're paying 16 damn million dollars to. That's right. Dr. Fauci, who had the worst first pitch that I've ever seen, he has better command than Craig Kimbrell. And David Ross, love you dearly, dude. Glad you're the manager. It was time for a change. What are you watching? You leave him in? And you keep letting him walk the building? Did you not hear what I just said? Walk, wild pitch, ground out, walk, walk, hit by pitch, walk. I'm just telling you, so freaking annoyed. Yes, they got to win. Big flipping deal. Your bullpen stinks. Craig Kimbrell stinks. And you better start looking for someone else that can close out games. Because that guy hasn't done it. When he came here last year, he struggled at the end in Boston. Awful, awful, awful. John Lester, you get an A. The offense gave you all you needed, but your bullpen is brutal. Take that. Cappy joins us this time tomorrow. <laughs> Our friend was fired up after he watched his Cubbies almost implode. But look, they hung on. They, they won. Did. I guess that's uh, maybe not as big a takeaway as watching Craig Kimbrell. Will he get an opportunity tonight? What does David oh, Ross do? No, no way, because he threw over 30 pitches last night. Right, so probably a he's rest, off. Yeah. yeah, he's off today. Yeah, so. Unavailable. Will it get to that point? Alec mm. Mills on the bump for mm. the Cubs tonight. 
Reds need a victory, though. Yes, they do, Trent. That's a good point. They uh, lost the weekend series to the Tigers, and they made it close last night. That, that team's too good to be struggling. At least I think it is. We'll, we'll see. Um, I mean, look at the – and I didn't realize this. The first three pitchers in the rotation that uh, that uh, trotted out against the Tigers all had double-digit strikeouts. Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, so they were getting guys out, but they, they couldn't score runs. Anyways, um, Cappy fired up yesterday. We'll see about the Cubs today. Your Twins are back in action tonight. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have a uh, uh, the Cardinals and the Twins will go at it. Seven ten first pitch. Seven ten first pitch. It'll be Carlos Martinez back out there uh-huh. now as a starter again right. for the Cardinals against the god awful Homer Bailey. Eesh. Yeah, I'm going to uh, grab the Cardinals and plus money tonight. Yeah, I don't I think bl- in this one. I, I was, that, can you trust it? Martinez? Though that's I guess the other good part question. of the equation mm-hmm. against that Twins lineup should be a good one tonight. 5.40 for the Cubs and Reds like that early start. And we'll get to see the White Sox twice today yes. after the game was rained 3 o'clock or thereabouts? Is I that think what it was it is? 2.40. Is it 2.40? Yep. Good. 2.40 um, start in that one. Marlins and, uh, had four more. They found four more a positive up cases. Up 17. 17. Hmm. 15 players, two coaches. Uh, Phillies are so far so good, although mm-hmm. I guess it can you can test negative for a couple of days. It can be even longer than it that. It can be. It can be up to two weeks before yeah. you're shown to be positive. But the Yankees and the Phillies have already canceled, not canceled, postponed their game tonight. Uh, so we know that the Marlins and the Orioles aren't going to play until at least Wednesday when the scene shifts uh, to Baltimore. Uh, but the Phillies and the Yankees, they will not play tonight. Uh, we'll see. Uh, by the way, Iowa State has replaced Iowa. The Cyhawk game, as we know, is off. Ball State is going to be oh. in Ames. Ball State was scheduled to play Michigan that day. Perfect. Works like a charm. So yes. Ball State's going to get a check. Iowa State's going to get an opponent as uh, Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12, at least at this point, are... Um, Still on that. We're going to play 12-game path. So I was uh, listening or reading a piece with Joe Castiglione, the athletic director yeah. at Oklahoma, and he was talking about the scheduled game that they put at the beginning there at Week Oh, by zero. the way, everybody's got a waiver to do that. All That's of college great. football has just been given a waiver. If you want to move a game to Week Zero, mm-hmm. go ahead and do it. Well, and that leads to my question for Iowa State, as we see much of the Big 12 doing this. Castiglione basically said, we're looking at it and saying we're trying to get three games in the first five weeks. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're moving a little bit earlier, even though numbers maybe don't trend that way, but that's to give themselves that flexibility. Does Iowa State look at this and say, Mm. let's make the phone call to South Dakota, Mm -hmm. and let's see if they can be ready here and be here on August 26th? I I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I do too, Trent. If things aren't ready, then you just push it back to where it was originally scheduled. Mm -hmm. Top of it, maybe get away from Labor Day weekend, and and that can help out because so many people have plans that weekend. I think that's something that could work out incredibly well for Iowa State. I know Jamie Pollard's probably made that phone call if it's been on his mind already, but... He's done a hell of a job through yes, this. Yes, make yep. that happen. Give yourself more flexibility across the board as we're waiting to find out what the Big Ten, new Big Ten schedule is going to look like. I think everybody should do this. I, I'm with you, Trent. I, 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 I've never understood the pushing it back, pushing nope. the Pac-12 to middle of September. You're compressing yourself. Right, you're, you're, you're giving, not giving yourself your, no out. Right, no flexibility uh-uh. there. It's never made sense, and this goes back way back our conversations when it felt like we were even getting a 12-game schedule back in early June. Mm -hmm. At that point, I said, why do people continue to talk about pushing it back? Not about the spring schedule, just pushing back the fall schedule. It didn't make sense then. It doesn't make sense now. 
Give yourself as many outs as possible to move these games around. I'm with you. I think you know what else we're going to see, and I believe we're going to see it in baseball. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we see it. Maybe in the NFL, maybe in college football, instead of having those those records, you know, six and six, seven and five, we may be awarding spots in bowl games mm-hmm. or bowl eligibility. Uh, based on percentages, yeah, yeah, I think that's the only way you can do it. I think it is too because four I'm not four. sure. Yeah, I, there there will be schools that don't play as many games as other mm-hmm. teams in their conference. I think that's probably a uh, sadly a foregone conclusion. My my question would be, how about this? Uh, let's just for instance, Iowa and Wisconsin. Iowa goes and plays six conference games. That's all it turns out to be. They go five and one, but the one loss to was to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin plays nine games, mm-hmm. but they have two losses in there. They're seven and two, mm-hmm. but they beat Iowa head to head. How mm-hmm. do you break that tiebreaker? You can't. I'll leave that up to you. Oh, I, boy, yeah. I, I, and these are going to be the conversations uh-huh. we're likely going to have throughout this fall. You know what, though, I think you just swallow hard and realize every the, everybody has to realize it's 2020, <laughs> right? You know, nothing makes sense, and sadly, it doesn't. Uh, KXNO and iHeart want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword "thanks" to 200 200 right now. It's your chance to win a thousand dollars. Thanks to 200 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Adam Rittenberg. ESPN.com joins us next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO, 106.1. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Here with you until noon in the 11 o'clock hour. Tom Wilson, uh, head football coach at Dowling. Of course, the activities director as well. And Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News on the NFL. Right now, Adam Rittenberg, who along with his colleague Michelle Steele, uh, wrote a good lengthy piece at ESPN.com. Iowa football and Kirk Ferentz see black players speak out on programs racial inequities. Adam Rittenberg joins us. Uh, Adam Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thanks for coming on. Adam Rittenberg, how are you? I'm doing great, uh, Trent and Ken. Thanks for having me on. No, listen, appreciate you coming on. Uh, so much in your, uh, yours and Michelle's piece from yesterday uh, that um, that I want to bring up. You know, the the thing that maybe stuck with me the most through this, Adam, was the fact that Chris Doyle thought that it was a good idea to take that picture of DJK jogging around the field with the yellow trash can covering his head and actually go to the trouble of getting it framed and either putting it on the wall or the credenza behind his desk or uh, displaying it somewhere in his office for all to see. Uh, that's a piece that I don't think anybody had seen before, and what an awful look uh, from the now-fired uh, now fired, uh, strength coach. That was new information and terrible information. Yeah, cer- certainly a concern, um, you know, to, to see that. I mean, it's just the whole display, and... You know, it was interesting. I know uh, this has been out there in various forms over the years. It probably wasn't completely new to Iowa fans, the incident. But we really wanted to talk to a lot of people who were there just to just to say see how they felt about it. And you know, you know, even players that were kind of you know more more um, uh, I don't know if amused is the right word, but it's such an unusual thing to see. And I think their feelings about it had changed over time to say, you know what, this is something that should not have happened. I should have said something. 
that could have easily been me out there running. And obviously, Amari Spivet felt that um, it was something that wouldn't have happened to a white player as far right. as punishment. But yeah, the 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 framing of the or the the displaying of the photo, um, you know, certainly uh, you just seemed to take it another level. And you know, I mean, clearly there was there were things that happened involving Doyle that went unchecked. Um, we can certainly debate how much or how damaging those were, but um, I think clearly, you know, in our story and in other reports that have come out in the last uh, six, seven weeks, um, you had somebody who was empowered, uh, which mm-hmm. is not unusual with strength coaches, but but also you know, d- didn't have many checks and balances, it seemed. And, you know, the adults that would walk into, into Doyle's office, they must have seen it, and nobody had the wherewithal to to say to reach out to say something to somebody if you couldn't say it directly to Doyle that maybe that's not the best uh, thing to put on your wall nobody apparently said anything and this was just looked at as that's um, no big deal right well I mean you know the weight room was his domain and and really nobody uh challenged him and what he did in that in that area of the of the program and a number of players talked to us about how everyone's sort of wondering how how did how did he uh, go this long be, being the way he was? And a lot of it was just that he had absolute power yeah. in the strength in the strength room and the weight room. And uh, and Kirk Ferentz you know, wasn't in there a whole lot. You know the other coaches weren't in there a whole lot. So it was basically you know just him and, and nobody nobody uh, w- would question him or anything that was that was going on there. Because I mean let's be honest, overall they've had an incredibly successful strength program at Iowa. Mm-hmm. It's a huge reason why um, you know they have had seventy five players selected in the NFL draft during Kirk Ferentz's tenure when, as you guys know well, it's not like Iowa's pulling in top 10 recruiting classes every year. So they are you know, a great example of a player development program, and Doyle had a huge role in that. But um, you know, in that, there were clearly um, a, lot, a lot of other issues here that if these players are not speaking up about. You know, we heard so much about Chris Doyle, but now with him not with the program any longer, the questions really go back to Kirk Ferentz as we wait for the law firm to finish up their report. Most people assume we're going to have it here in the week, next week or two. But with that, how much is pointed back at Kirk Ferentz and either turning a blind eye or maybe outright accepting this is what his program morphed into and turned into? How much goes back to the head man in your mind? Right, yeah, Trent, that's going to be the most interesting thing, I think, in this in this Hush Blackwell report. Um, it should be coming out soon, is, uh, you know, they're obviously going to find some some things with Chris Doyle. Um, those are out there. You know, those are hard to alt to, to defend completely. Even though I'm sure he tried to defend himself as much as he could, uh, but 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 he is gone. And so you know, a report that just blasts Chris Doyle is pretty ineffective unless it brings right. up you know what did Kirk Ferentz know and what did he do about it or, or didn't do about it. So I think that's going to be. Um, an interesting part of this, and you know, I, again, I don't know everybody that they interviewed. I know they've interviewed over a hundred people, whether it's current players, former players, current staff, former staff, and and you know, we we don't know everything that they've collected. Uh, but um, you know, I, that, that that to me is the one. I don't think Kirk. You know, we, we've all been around this long enough, and, and how these how these you know external quote unquote independent investigations go they they very rarely lead to you know the ouster of a head coach but mm-hmm. i think they're going to raise some questions about what he knew 
and uh, and what he could have done to uh, to prevent some of this from going on as long as it did. You know, uh, another takeaway from your piece, Adam Rittenberg, uh, who along with Michelle Steele have it posted at uh, ESPN.com, Amari Spavay, uh, just the fact that these guys to this day, 11 years or whatever it's been later, it still bothered them. Spavay, they wanted us to be white kids. Michael Ojemudia, who just was drafted in the third round by the Broncos and signed his contract over the weekend, uh, who gives full credit to the University of Iowa for getting him to that point. But at the same time, Ojemudia was quoted in your pieces, how much of my identity am I willing to sacrifice? I mean, those two statements from Spavay and from Ojemudia, um, those those speak loudly, Adam. They they do, and I think the the counter to that is you know everybody in a team environment needs to sacrifice some individualism for the betterment of the team, and a lot of teams are built like that. Not not just Iowa. I think a lot of this, guys. Um, you know, we can certainly debate what was racist and what wasn't, but I think there was certainly a level of short sightedness uh, in the program just regarding the black players. I mean, you guys live in Iowa. You know the demographics of the state. You know the demographics of the campus. Like that, you know that hasn't changed for a long time. So I just don't think there was enough that went into what is it like for these guys, black players, many of them from the inner city or from mostly black communities, coming into this area. And you know, yes, we are trying to <clears throat> instill some restrictions for the because we think that's the best of the te- for the best of the team. But what are we doing to them in, in, in imposing those restrictions? And you know that that that's something that's you know come up from. You know, black players, even some white players, uh, just just debating the validity, or not the validity, but the the reasoning behind some of those uh, restrictions. And again, clearly, a lot of black players uh, throughout this time, whether they played ten years ago or five years ago or a year or two ago, felt that 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 some part of who they were and their culture uh, was suppressed by you know this this idea that we all need to be the same. When that ideal of who that same what what that same is. You know, he doesn't really fit with who I am as a as a young black man. Talking with Adam Rittenberg, ESPN.com, as he joins us, penned a long piece at ESPN.com talking about the University of Iowa football program. Speaking of that, Adam, how long, uh, how many interviews did you do for this, and just how long did it take to piece this whole thing together? Yeah, you know, it took longer than we wanted. Um, obviously, you guys know the timing of, of when uh, players went public back in June, and we, we reached out to a number. We, we weren't successful with some, but you know, we were able to talk to uh, obviously a, a good a good number of at least former players um, in this process, and and as well as some former athletic department staff. And so just you know uh, uh, putting that together, and um, you know, we wanted to be very fair uh, in this and and, and present um, you know again to a national audience. And I know I have some Iowa fans have said, well, none of this is new. We knew this already. Well, yeah, you did. You're Iowa fans. You follow right. the program at a different level. We're we're, we're writing for a much broader audience. That has not followed every step of this, and or every every tweet that's come out, and so um, you know, again, we wanted to uh, just get, dig into some of these issues a little bit more. Um, I'd heard of the trash can thing for years, had not really done much reporting other than talking, you know, with Darrell at times over the years about it, uh, or, um, or or some of these other things that I didn't know that only came to light uh, on social media, just to find out a little bit more context around what was said and, and how that made some of these former players feel and, and, what, and what they did about it. So, um, you know, it, it definitely took, uh, uh, you know, just more than a month to put it together. Michelle was terrific to work with. She's a, uh, an excellent journalist and, uh, um, you know, it was a, a good, a good project 
to uh, to collaborate on with her. I'm disappointed that uh, they uh, didn't make Broderick Bins available to you. You know, this goes back to the uh, uh, the anniversary of the 2019 that took place last year, and you know, Kulianos wasn't involved in any of the mass emails that went out, but he was reached out to. I guess uh, with the uh, purpose. Well, we haven't heard from you. You coming? Uh, you coming, Jarrell? And then uh, it kind of he went as far as to get a plane ticket, only to have that rug pulled out from underneath him. Uh, the, the players on that team, Adam, they all wanted him, thought that he should be there. Maybe not all of them. I'm painting with a big brush, but the ones that have been spoken to thought that he deserved to be there. He played a huge role on that 2009 team, but Ferentz didn't want him there. Uh, were you surprised that Bins wasn't made available to you uh, to answer some of the questions that you would have liked to have had answered? No, although it certainly would have helped. Um, yeah, I mean, Iowa throughout was saying that they were willing to talk, or at least Kirk Ferentz was willing to talk after the investigation was wrapped up. And, you know, just not knowing exactly when that would happen, we, we obviously weren't going to wait for that. But um, uh, with Ben, you know, he was, and I'm glad you brought him up because there was certainly this effort that he made to reach out to uh, DJK and to try to include him in that process. And he was. I mean, we have emails that show he, you know, the RSVP list of all the players that were coming to the 09 reunion, and his name is right there, uh, right in the middle of the list. And obviously they reached out to him about tickets, and he was all set to go. And then on the Thursday before the game, uh, he, he's, he's, he gets a call from Benz and Ben Hansen, the assistant ops director, saying, yeah, we, you know, we, we talked to Coach, and, and, and you're no longer welcome. So it's a, it's a tough deal. And yeah, I know there were a number of other players that, were, uh, that we didn't speak to, but I, I saw their correspondence uh, with, with him, you know, just saying how they were, they were uh, upset that he wasn't a part of that. Um, but, but other people did bring up Broderick Brins as a real positive influence in the program. You know, we asked players about the lack of, of black uh, on-field assistant coaches, and you know, uh, players brought up, you know, players confirmed that and said it would be great to have a, a better representation, but also said that Broderick Brins really went out of his way to try to improve things as much as he could. I think the question now that he's in this uh, new role for the entire department overseeing diversity and inclusion will he be empowered will will he be really be able to do uh what i think he wants to do to, to help this situation or are these types of situations uh, and uh, you know with with Darrell or, or maybe other times where his power has been a little bit overruled is that going to uh, be, be the case going forward so there's many people out there tyler kluver's been out there white athletes that said it's not just a racial pro- problem that's been inside of there but more a bully culture and a culture where the communication lines between the coaching staff and the players was never there, especially for the younger players. How much of this it gets into that gray area where maybe it's not quite racial, it's more in that bully side of things, and kind of that back and forth, the dichotomy between the two. Did you go back and forth between Adam? No doubt, and I, you know I think the the, the the podcast that Tyler and his uh, his teammates did with um, James Daniels and Jordan Lomax was excellent, uh, and definitely helped us get a sense of, of what went into what James did and what Jordan's thinking. I think they're really powerful voices. And you know, I, I really enjoyed talking with Tyler just to get his perspective. And, you know, his, his, one of his big points is that, um, you know, he, he, he still thinks, and as many do, that the Iowa culture has, has real value and, and, and is a strong culture and one that's contributed to the team's success. Um, and he, his big point to me was that the, a lot of these issues here are either um, individual comments that Doyle made over the years that, that clearly upset um, the, these black players, but also the the first six to twelve months in the program need to be uh, reexamined because uh, that's when a lot of these problems arise. When 
you know, all players are arriving on campus and they're out of their comfort zone and in some cases more so than others, depending on where they're coming from or some of the, the cultural things that are going on when you get to Iowa. And you basically you're thrown in with Doyle. And that's, that's sort of the, the, the first the first person that you're dealing with instead of uh, you know, people that might be able to help you adjust a little bit better. And then as a result, you have more disciplinary incidents, and um, you, you know I think at times there were there were uh, there were you know more black players that were getting in trouble early in their uh, time at Iowa than white players, and so that leads to the these disciplinary um, uh, you know uh, uh, the, the the consequences of that. So I think his point is let's reexamine the entry point to the program, how we bring players in, how we support them, especially uh, black players coming from different environments, and. You know, Iowa has that opportunity now to to change how it approaches that element of its program. You know, here's the thing I can't get over, Adam. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. And it goes back to that internal report that came out. I know Hawkeye Nation, uh, through a Freedom of Information request, they, they got their hands on it. They wrote about it. I know you did last uh, week at ESPN.com. James Daniels goes public on June the 3rd. June the 7th, Ferentz comes out and says that he has not learned of anything that would have alarmed him or alerted him to appropriate treatment prior to Daniels speaking out. And yet, the internal report tells us that yes, Barda and Ferentz did know that amongst those things that were uh, that were labeled were black athletes were targeted for extra d- drug testing. Nobody thought that that was a problem. They were expected to conform to white culture. Nobody thought that that was a problem. I mean, Ferris on June 7th, out of his own mouth, said he hadn't seen anything that alarmed him or alerted him. That's troubling to me. Yeah, I think it is troubling. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed after this investigation is complete. Because you know, even in our piece, uh, you know, Marvin McNutt, who, as you guys know, played uh, more than a decade ago, about a, a decade ago, you know, he went to Ferentz with other members of the leadership group early in his career in 07 or 08 to talk about what they felt were, were different disciplinary standards for, for black players at a time when uh, a lot of black players were you know, transferring out or, 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 or being dismissed from the program or what have you. Uh, so, you know, what did you know and, and the specifics of, of, what, of what he knew along the way, I think, are an important point. You know, one thing that James Daniels and, and others have brought up, though, is that um, the specific incidents uh, were, were really not brought up until now. Um, and, and maybe this is the way it had to come on, on Twitter with, with, with some of these, uh, these messages from the players about what they experienced. It, it were kind of brought up in general ways. And even that report, I'm not making excuses, but even that report, it's department-wide. It's all anonymous. Um, you know, it, it's not this happened with this coach and, and this player, and this is what, what, what was done or not done. Uh, to to really upset that player, maybe that would have been a more effective way to put to, to put that report together because uh, you know there the, the, there clearly wasn't enough follow up. Um, you know, Kirk throughout this process keeps saying that you know I thought we had a healthy culture, I thought we had a healthy mm-hmm. culture, um, and, and clearly you know some at least some in the program you know felt that 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 needed to change. And so I think that's another part of this is what, what was really communicated, what were the details that were known. At this point in time, at this point in time, at this point in time, he can't go up there and say, "I never thought we had a race problem in the program." Right. That. That. I'm sorry. It's just there's just too much evidence. Right. Um. And whether whether it's broad or specific. Now, I, I I do tend to agree that that maybe the more specific things weren't brought up until the beginning of June. But I, I think that you can't sit there and claim to that, that you know. That I just I just thought everything was was fine on the issue of race in this program throughout my tenure. That's 
I don't know how you can say that. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, along with Michelle Steele. You can read the piece for yourself at ESPN.com. It's off the front page, but it's on the front page of the uh, college football link at ESPN.com. Adam, thank you. We will uh, talk to you in the weeks ahead, and we'll do so about the between the lines. How about that little football conversation? Uh, appreciate it, Adam. Yeah, let's hope so, guys. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, good to talk to you. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, ESPN.com. Uh, we'll take a timeout and come back, finish up the hour. Good with you? That sounds great. Uh, talk a little bit more about this. And uh, where is college football at as we continue on? Did yesterday Pins Ma- and needles. Miami Marlins news... Was that a blow to you college what, football? Trent, a lot of a lot of people think that this is actually going to be something that helps. That's what I thought yesterday because this is was going to happen uh-huh. eventually. Now we have a blueprint. Yeah, but MLB didn't have a blueprint. Well, That's what not. we're finding out. <laughs> did, I mean, did, they, uh, they they changed the playoffs. Did you hear A Rod Sunday night when they had or uh, last week when they had Manfred on? No, and I, didn't, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> asked a question. It was basically. Hey, I have a question for you. Boy, you did a great job of this. Getting it ready. <laughs> you can tell maybe he's trying to buy a baseball team. That's a great point. That's, that's not a question. Now, are, they still, are they still in the running for the Mets? Uh, apparently, they still Hey, are. I got a question for you. You did a great job. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Ten minutes before 11, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 010. Favorite shows. Wolf Roofing is as strong as ever. We started as a roofing company 26 years ago, and we're still a roofing company today. If there's something going on with your roof, we know what's wrong with it. We take your roof personally, and our staff will meet you first with the business card in hand. You won't just find a dumpster in a trailer in your driveway. There's always somebody to talk to. Let's show you why people prefer Wolf Roofing. Call 225-8866, 225-8866, and we'll talk, or visit us on the web at wolfroofing.net. Condom, final couple of minutes of the uh, first hour of the program. Let's switch gears entirely in hour number two. Uh, Tom Wilson, head coach of Dowling Football Activities Director over there. He'll join Trent and I. And then uh, Vinny Iyer on the NFL. Six New England Patriots have opted out. Really? Six. Today is the first day, I believe, that veterans can report. Uh-huh. And this is when, you know, the Twitter said to watch for this, where there's probably going to be, uh, they didn't put out a number, everybody was guessing. Eddie Goldman from your Bears has opted out. Full season is when they opt out. Yeah, that- they're done. They're done. They're, they're not going to play this year. Interesting. Uh, let's get Steve in here. He's been patient holding through the break. Steve, welcome to the program. How are you? What's on your mind? I'm doing well, guys. So one thing that occurred to me was, um, I respect James Daniels and all, but didn't his brother play there before him and couldn't his brother have given him a heads up to what the culture was like and that kind of kind of thing i guess so it's a, it's, it's different for everybody steve uh maybe um maybe his brother was fine i i don't know but uh look it's not just james daniels there's over 60 60 former hawks that have come out and said that they had a problem so there is clearly a problem steve i understand that uh, my my other thing was uh, on the other side of things didn't Iowa take, you know, a few minutes, like, each year to, to talk? I know in business, we, we uh, uh, review people every, you know, every year and say, how's it going? How do you think the program's going? Or even in exit interviews, taking, you know, 15 minutes at the end of someone's career and say, how did you like it at Iowa? I, I would think Iowa would have done that, but mm-hmm. apparently 
maybe they didn't. So I, th- I would think I'm going to suggest that they do that from now on. You, yeah. you know, I, Steve, I think, thanks for the call. I think the the problem with that is just the culture that's created, and after your four or five years, you still don't even feel like you have that voice that yeah. you can say that. And are you going to go to Kirk Ferentz and go to say, you know, your right hand man? He says a lot of racist things. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that the time for it? You just completed your career. Right. Probably not the right time for it. And is anybody comfortable? You can you're, walk you're away. training for the NFL in some cases. Yeah, I, I think we've walked. Well, and there's a really good point, too, because we know what connection Kirk mm-hmm. Ferentz has to the NFL. And do you want to? It's not as powerful as some things. But right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can't keep you out of the league. Right. If you're talented enough, they're going to find Absolutely. you. But. You're a guy, and you're doing everything the right way, the mm-hmm. Iowa way that they believe. Well, he's going to give you that gold sticker and mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, take a shot on this guy. He's going to be good for you." Right. If not, because they are, be they are going path. to call. They, they yes. all do. I mean, when right. they're going through the process, they're overturning every single rock to try and find something that they don't like because they're about to invest a coveted draft pick in you, which comes along with a, a whole lot of money behind it. Uh, hour two coming up next. A lot more football. What do you say? I'm in. Miller and Cotton until noon. 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.